This is The Michael Bryan Show. Hi everyone, welcome back to the show and today I'm joined with Kirk Anderson who's a CEO, a certified fitness coach and ISSA nutritionist. So we're talking all things food, nutrition and how busy people can transform their health. So Kirk, thanks for joining me. Ah, thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. So here you have quite the weight loss, fitness, nutrition story yourself. So for those that don't know, share a bit about that. Give people some some context. Okay, so I myself, I understand the struggle people go through since I've been fat myself, uh, clinically obese, not once, but twice. <laughs> I guess once was not enough. Um, I lost 65 pounds once. Then I promptly regained it and then some extra <laughs> for good measure. Because, you know, as you, as you get older, it does get harder to keep the pounds off. Uh, transformed a second time. Um, this time it was more permanent. I'd learned a lot before, but the main difference was I got, I was under adult supervision <laughs> in, in the form of coaching. at a professional international federation of bodybuilding's coach, a lady. Uh, she's a bikini model and she was my first coach and that made a huge difference coaching because a lot of people just like me people listening to this show they've tried they put the effort in they've tried they've tried to try but I felt like I was trying to cut down a tree with a sledgehammer she came along and gave me an axe and same effort and I was like wow making progress and <laughs> uh, that's my that's my story. I really understand the struggle people go through because I think there's this myth out there that people are just lazy and they don't try. But pretty much for the most part, everybody has tried probably several times. They've just not been very successful at it. So why do you think that there are so many diets out there? Because I feel like if the if the aim is weight loss, a lot of it's just different ways of achieving the same thing, thing at least in my experience. So why do you think there's so many diets out there? Well, uh, the purpose of all of these things is to make money. <laughs> and the fact is, if you sell a new product, like look at it this way. <clears throat> I remember in business school, this professor used to work, uh, Gillette would say, you know, when they bring out a new razor, I don't know if this is the case anymore, but years ago, he would say, it's hardly, it's practically the same old razor, but because they changed the packaging, they call it new this, that, blah, 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 it will sell better. So you'll find different dads come back in different forms. Like years ago, you had Atkins, and then you had Keto, and then you have this. Now you have Carnivore. They're similar, but different. So you'll find a lot of the Keto people now push Carnivore, et cetera. But the new buzz, the new shiny object, this human nature to gravitate towards a new shiny object. Plus the reality is it's almost like selling tires. When people... Are, you buy tires for your car, they're going to wear down, then you buy new tires. Similar with the, the diet industry, in a sense. They sell diets or just individual people selling these things. But if people were permanently successful, then they would have nothing to sell. <laughs> That's just a harsh reality. Yeah, it, it's making me think that because it's human nature, sometimes there's always going to be people out there that will want these things, that will buy these things, that will gravitate towards this in in some kind of attempt to to be healthy and to take care of themselves but is there anything that's more guaranteed to work I, I get the impression that a lot of these are based on certain principles certain things that we know that work so what are those things well the number one thing is consistency the good news and this is true and it's been shown in many studies is that all the diets work the, the there's literally no real statistical difference between them that's why somebody will say, man, this is what worked for me. You got to do ABC. And another lady will say, ah, you got to do this. One, two, three worked for me. The key is the consistency. The problem is people are not consistent. <laughs> and the root cause of this is they're not creating a habit. So, you know, stories are really impactful for people. So for myself, and people can probably relate to this, the dentist telling you, you need to floss every night, optimally every morning. And for many, many years, I just was not flossing. I was doing research on habit forming and got this good tip. And the goal was to put the dental floss physically on the toothbrush. So I could not get to the toothbrush without touching the dental floss. And the goal was to floss a single tooth, which is so simplistic. 
And if you're to floss that single tooth, you're to say, congrats, you know, or whatever, I should celebrate somehow, and then brush my teeth. Ever since that moment, I'd started it, I have never missed a day of flossing. Getting home from a flight, getting in late, 2 a.m., 3 a.m., I still flossed. Crazy. I know it sounds, I have not missed a single day. <laughs> it's going on uh, almost two years now. And it's just so easy. It, it still boggles my brain. It's like somebody quitting smoking cold turkey and just having been around smokers and having no urge to smoke or something. Uh, now, it's not usually always that dramatic, but the key thing was I made it easy. The goal was to floss a single tooth. Anybody can floss one tooth. I made it easy in the fact that I had to physically remove, put my hand on the thing to move it out of the way to get to the toothbrush. So there's no avoiding it, right? So let's say with going to the gym, one tip would be to pack your gym clothes before, because if you want to, if you have to go home to then change, to then work out, you're increasing the odds of you not working out. Now, if you're passing the gym on the way to work or coming home, it's nearby. You already have your clothes with you. You can just stop over. Maybe you only spend 15 minutes there, 20 minutes. That's still better than nothing. Because one of the keys is to take baby steps, to just slow the buildup. Because what a lot of people do, they'll start, they'll go gung-ho. I've done it. Many, pretty much everybody's done it. I'm going to work out multiple days a week, an hour, two hours, whatever. And you start, you're motivated, you do this for a couple of weeks, and then slowly it just fizzles out. Because what a study shows, you cannot rely on just being motivated to do it. It just does not work, unfortunately. And if you think back to all the times you've tried to do this for anything, not just weight loss, it tends to not to work. But if you take baby steps and say, okay, I'm going to go to the gym once a week, or I'm just going to start walking first. Say you've been inactive for forever, just walking, walking around the block. And you just gradually build on that. I'm going to go for a 15-minute walk. And then six months later, all those steps are pile up and it's tens and hundreds of thousands of steps you've taken. And lo and behold, the scale has gone down almost magically, <laughs> right? Because of the consistency. That's really the root of it all. Consistency, consistency. I, can't, I cannot emphasize that enough. So that would be the big thing. And the second thing would be that holds people back would be the lack of knowledge. Back to the sledgehammer, the axe, that lady gave me an axe. She told me things that would have taken me forever to figure out on my own, or I just never figured out, to be honest, right? You know, you wouldn't uh, go watch a YouTube video on the law or go buy a law book and go represent yourself in court if you <laughs> somebody was suing you for a million dollars or at risk of going <laughs> to jail. You'd hire a lawyer. <laughs> yeah, definitely. You should... Just sit back and think to yourself, I've tried this thing many, many times. I'm in my 30s, my 40s, my 50s. I've never gotten it right. Why should I not just go hire a professional? You do it in everything else in your life, right? Teachers had to teach you in school, friends, parents, relatives, they taught you things, right? You didn't just come out of the womb knowing everything. This is no different. <laughs> uh, this is no different. It's making me wonder, actually, what are some of the mental shifts that people will have to make because if you take the flossing as an example flossing mm -hmm. one tooth in the attempt to build it up some people will may have the mindset of well it's only one tooth i can afford to not do it because it's only one tooth in in that kind of in that kind of way it's like you reduce the bar low enough it stops mm -hmm. mattering whether they do it or not well what well funny enough this so this method will work because the person already wants to do the thing in question. Like I wanted to start the floss. So I already wanted to do it, but I kept failing at doing it. The doctor would tell me, show me, hey, this is why you get a cavity. This is why you're in pain. So I had so much motivation, but it just doesn't work. Just think of all the times people have been told by friends, family, or the doctor, you need to lose weight. You need to, they show them the labs. This is important. It's clear. There's black and white. The lab reports are not trying to be mean to you. They're just pointing out that, you know, there are certain metrics that don't look good. Our people feel terrible. They have headaches. They can't sleep, this and that. So you have tons of motives. So why don't we just fix it? Because it's difficult. That's just the reality. It is difficult. It's easy for you to come home and sit on the couch and turn on TV and watch Netflix. Why? Because it's easy to do. If it was difficult, if you had to come home, plug in the TV, go and buy batteries to plug into the remote control, do jump through a lot of hoops to watch TV. You know what you'd say? You'd say, you know what? I don't feel like watching TV today because <laughs> you've made it so difficult, right? Th that's the flip side of building a habit. So let's say in the morning, 
you reach over to hit the phone to turn off the alarm that woke you up. Now the phone's in your hand. So if your goal was to stop playing around with your phone in the morning, checking Instagram or emails or text messages because it makes you take longer to get ready, you're now making it easier to do all those things you don't want to do. Instead, buy an alarm clock. Just get a cheap alarm clock, right, for $5. It goes off, you hit it, there's no cell phone now. Put the cell phone far away, you know, like on the dresser. Put it in another room. You don't need it, you're asleep. It's little tips like that that will make things easier for you to accomplish. Or, for example, you're trying to eat differently. Say you're going to make food. The odds of you consistently making your food seven days a week is not terribly high. Perhaps if you meal prep on a Saturday or a Sunday while you have the TV going so it doesn't feel like it's this terrible, difficult task to do, and you're mass cooking some things that you like, maybe, say, rice, sweet potatoes, I don't know, chicken. You can mass cook fish, seafood. There's a lot of things, you know, vegetables. You need to shove it in your fridge. Then that day you get home from work or from school, you're tired. You know what? The food is right there. I remember many years ago, this lady gave me a tip. She said a trainer had given her. And the tip was, if you don't know in the morning, like right now we're having this interview in the morning, if you don't know now what you're going to eat for dinner, you're going to eat bad. And it always stuck with me. Ironically, I was fat back then. I wasn't working out or anything, but that it made so much sense. It was like, that's so brilliant. If you don't know now what you're going to eat later on, you're going because when you're hungry, you're just going to get whatever. So you're kind of setting yourself up to fail in a sense, right? But uh, going back to your question about would somebody care or not, they definitely have to have a desire to change. My whole thing is that the desire is not enough. That has been shown many, many times in many facets of life. The desire is not enough. It's actually a very good point when you break it down that little bit in the way that you said with trying to set yourself up to succeed by making the, I guess, the barrier for success quite small. It's it's one, two. It's going out for a walk. It's how do you make it so hard to fail? And I also like the way that you positioned it hard to avoid it as well. So you make it hard to avoid doing it, which I think is important because so many people would likely try to avoid something that's new, something that might hurt a little, something Mm -hmm. you might struggle with, recovering with afterwards, especially if they're quite new. All of those things would make me think, okay, well, maybe they'll spend too long getting ready or maybe they'll spend too long on their phone and then, oh, it's too late to go to the gym or it's too late to go for that walk now because you spent too long procrastinating sort of thing. Yes. I like how you, you focused on setting things up so that it's very difficult to avoid doing it. I quite like that. Yes. Yeah. You know, you're trying to make it any sound. So I mean, when I started doing all that, re- so I did two things. One, I kind of reverse engineered what I had done myself because when I was reading, doing this research, I was like, you know, I'm doing some of this stuff. So for example, I'm looking now, I can see to my kitchen, I have some supplements over there. What I do when I take those in the evening, I physically move them forward on the counter so I know that I take them, or took them rather. Um, there's some multivitamins that I have upstairs. You know, in the morning, I just grab this empty, well, the bottles are empty, and I'll just put the tablets for the week, for the seven days. So I just grab one in the morning and go. But it's something that I can't miss. My eyes have to see them. Right. And when I go into the bathroom, the toothbrush is there again with the floss. <laughs> it, I'm just making it because another thing they say that the things you normally do, you're trying to fit it into that routine. So let's say, for example, you have a habit of when you come home, you immediately go to the, the TV, for example, to, to sit on and watch the TV. Perhaps on the way there, you will put something to try to say, so you know, you do that, but you don't want to do that. So what you do now is when you start watching, when you finish watching TV, you put a remote control somewhere else. Maybe you put it upstairs. That sounds kind of crazy, but now you know you can't just walk in and just turn on the TV. You'll have to physically go upstairs, grab the remote control, come back downstairs and turn on the... So what you'll find is when you really, really want to watch the TV, you'll do that. But if you don't really, it's just something you're just doing on autopilot. No, you just won't do it on autopilot. And you will instead go into the kitchen and get your dinner ready. Because you touched on a very good point about procrastination. That derails a lot of us. 
even with myself, if I come home from work to then go to the gym, I find it's like an hour later. And I'm like, what have I been doing for an hour? <laughs> this is crazy. You know, my my clothes are already there. It's not like I'm trying to figure out what to change. In the, but I like, oh, let me do this. Let me do that. Oh, yeah. Let me do a little of this first. And next thing you know, it's an hour. And I'm like, ah, I did it again. You know, so procrastination, it can, yeah, the time can just fly by. So you're correct. You're trying to make it the things you want to do easy to do in the natural, let's say, flow of your day. And uh, the things you don't want to do, make them harder to do. You, it's like you're playing a little Jedi mind trick on yourself, I suppose. Seems like you have to be quite organized, though, to be able to do that. Like if you think, if you picture, OK, how do I make exercise working out? Well, I have to reverse engineer that and think, right, I need to put this here, put that there, get rid of this only you know buy these foods throw these in the bin even though i bought them because they're unhealthy mm. set everything up in a way that it seems you need to be organized to do that and i wonder if you have any advice on the organization front how do you help people organize these things okay that's that's a great question the first thing is people have to be aware of the very good point you made because i think a lot of times we just start doing stuff it's kind of like, say, you're in school to write an essay. Optimally, you'd think about it before you started just writing away. I mean, sometimes it worked out, but optimally, you'd have thought about it, kind of created like some skeleton in your brain or, or a piece of paper. So I would say you'd want to sit down and just map out your day. Because the first thing people say is, I don't have the time. I used to think the same thing. It's kind of crazy sometimes when I think back now how I could come home to just a normal day and just... I, honestly, if you put me in a lie detector test, I would swear there's no way I could have find time to work. That's impossible. You see how much I work. I got this. I do that. Blah, 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 blah. And now that's so much. Yeah, I can't imagine going back to that lifestyle in a sense. <laughs> but what that takes is you have to sit down and just write it out. And don't try to do it in your head because I think you'll play tricks on yourself and you'll convince yourself. Yep, I don't have enough time. I'm super busy. I got kids. I have this or that, that. But if you sit on the right, literally write it out, say, okay, at 7 a.m. I did this, 6 a.m. You'll be shocked at how much time is just sitting there, that you just weren't doing anything or you're spinning, wasting time, or you're doing something that you don't really need to be doing, you know? And this is another example where a coach can help you, because if you, if you don't think of the idea to sit down and walk through your time, then you, you're going to have that problem. You know, I was coaching this guy, a CFO. And he was saying, the first thing, don't have the time. Sat down and we found an hour, I swear, in like for five, seven minutes of talking with him, like a whole hour. And he was like, oh, wow, there's an hour right there. <laughs> you know, it was just, it, but you have to sit down and do that work. You have to do the work. There's no getting around that. The good news is you will find the time, shockingly. So TV is a good example, right? You can say you watch Netflix or Amazon or whatever. You can download shows onto your phone or your iPad, and you can be on a stationary bike or the Stairmaster or the treadmill, and you just play it. You can watch your favorite show and knock out 20 minutes of cardio, just like that. And not some high intensity of something at an easygoing pace, that would be like slow, steady state, where you can still have a conversation, not as easy as this, but you can still talk, right? So most of us can sit on a bicycle or walk on a treadmill at a pace that you can talk and just enjoy your show, right? Or listen to a podcast like this, <laughs> right? It's amazing how you can just kill time so easily like that, because that's another thing I think people struggle with. When you're getting back to the organization, it's that they are dreading it, that it's this Herculean task that's going to create all these problems. But if you sit down and just map out the time you spend throughout the day, I guarantee you the time will be there, man. It'll be there. I guess then it's okay. We have to be honest with ourselves, don't we? Because if you tell yourself that you've not got the time, if you tell yourself that often enough, very often you'll believe it. And then if you have the the chance to write it down, you may have to question the very harsh reality that you do actually have the time. You're just telling yourself that you don't. And that can be almost mentally taxing, having to go through all of that and process the fact that you've been lying to yourself in a way. You know, you're telling yourself <laughs> that you can't do it when in fact you can. Some people would be like, oh, great. Now I've got no choice but to to actually take these steps. In, in, in a way, you're just removing the, what would it be? Just removing the illusion 
that you can't do it when in fact you can. Yes, I love the way you put that. It's, it jogs my memory on something. I like to tell people, most people don't realize how bad they feel till they feel good. You know, and then once I tell people also sometimes, you know, you can't unknow some of these things I'm going to tell you because once you know, you cannot unknow it. You know, that pain you were feeling or this discomfort that went away because of you started working out or because you stopped doing this or you start eating a certain way. Once you stop what was working and that pain comes back or your scalp, scalp starts itching again, you can't pretend that you don't know what's causing it, right? <laughs> Uh, like you say, the illusion has been removed, which is empowering at the end of the day. But at first, it can be kind of scary to people. Because uh, going back to myself, I remember my lower back, well, just my old body was just so messed up back then. I couldn't brush my teeth in one go. I would start brushing my teeth. Then I'd have to stand upright to give myself a break to rest my back. Then I would <laughs> commence brushing my teeth again, which sounds so crazy when I say it out loud, right? Somebody in their 30s can't brush their, <laughs> their teeth in one go. So it's just ludicrous. But that yeah. was the case. You know, it's not like I was disabled, you know, or anything like that. I mean, it just sounds so crazy. But it, we just get used to living life like, like, like that's normal or something when it's not normal. Oh, yeah, my knee always hurts. That's normal. No, that's not normal. It shouldn't always hurt. <laughs> it's, there's nothing normal about that, right? Yeah, it's um, it's a fascinating thought when... You picture, okay, maybe people are just going about their day and just putting up with things. They're just accepting things. It's almost like the the mental strength that comes with acceptance in a way or settling for the way your life is or the way your body is or the way your diet is. That's a slippery slope in a way, isn't it, Kirk? Because, yes. okay, it's all well and good accepting things for your own mental health but then it's a completely different story when it's causing you some pain and discomfort and some dysfunction as a consequence of that yes big time and you get really bleed that's a very good point because it bleeds into the rest of your life right it can affect your mood um you know you're tired all the time or you're grumpy or you're cranky you're just not enjoying life right here's an analogy i tell people sometimes it comes back to the thing where I said about people don't realize how bad they feel till they feel good, till that pain goes away. In some ways, it's like trying to describe sex to a virgin. You can tell them there's this thing called sex. It's fantastic, right? But to get it, you need to do all these things to get it. And somebody go like, oh, yeah, that's a lot of work. I will just continue to watch TV or read books, right? But once they're no longer a virgin, they understand why this thing was so incredible. It's similarly when they feel bad, once they don't feel bad, they're like, wow, you know, years of suffering with some skin issue or low back pain or headaches all the time, or, you know, they just can't sleep. They're always grumpy, brain fog, the list goes on and on and on. Once that goes away, they're like, they feel like they're living again. And then they're like, wow, I can't believe I was living like that, the old me, so to speak. Uh, but it's getting to that first win. And I come back to not lack of effort because people have tried. They try different things. Back to your question with the dads. That's why there's so many dads. So people are willing to try. I got to try something new, you know, try this new cleanse or this new fast or whatever new gimmick is out there to fix their problem because they're desperate. Doesn't work. And then they try something else and so on and so forth. But I come back to just getting a professional who knows what they're doing to get you on the right path. You know, it's definitely worth the investment. Definitely worth the investment. I'm curious about how diet and nutrition was where you landed because we've been quite heavily focused on exercise, little touches on diet <laughs> and habit formation at the moment. But why nutrition? Why diet? Why did you settle for that? Because at the end of the day, you can't outwork out a poor diet. And there are studies on this and there are YouTube videos on this as well. I remember there's a guy, some trainer, like he was exercising, he was tracking himself during the day. He worked at like eight, 10 hours, some ridiculous thing. He was tracking how much calories he burned compared to what he had been eating and this and that and blah, blah, blah. And if your diet is just terrible, you will be unsuccessful. And by terrible, <clears throat> I don't mean just say eating fries, burgers, drinking sodas or what have you. You can lose weight doing these things if you're in a caloric deficit. 
but the key thing is you the is that is everything. Whether you're trying to lose weight, that's just get rid of fat, or you're trying to build muscle, it's all diet related. You just it doesn't matter how much, just think back to all the times you or better, just look at people who are in the gym. That's probably a better example. More realistic. Just think of all the men and women you've ever seen in a gym setting or running, jogging around the place or whatever that don't look really, really good or don't look good. They're putting in the effort running or lifting weights or what have you. And you may see them frequently doing this, regularly, consistently doing this, but they're not really, their body isn't really changing. Diet related. There's something wrong with their diet. Something is off there. I remember when I was transforming the second time, there was this lady, a young lady, slim, fit. She would wear like a two-piece workout outfit. She was always on the like the elliptical and then this uh, kind of like a stairmaster thing. And she would she'd be on that thing like an hour, hour and a half, sometimes two hours. And I literally, over several many months, watched her put on weight, gain weight. She had to be in her early twenties. And it just boggled my brain at the time. I was thinking, like, how is this possible, man? She's I've seen this woman just working out, sweating, killing it, crushing it in the gym. But something was off with her dad. I'm pretty sure she just wasn't either she wasn't eating enough food, right? Or she was eating uh too much food. Does it ever make you wonder if there are any real needle movers when it comes to diet? Is there anything that can make the biggest difference in someone's, whether it's health, how they feel, their ability to do more, enjoy more, and possibly even be more of themselves through their diet. Is there anything that you think will make the biggest difference for those that are listening? That's a great question. So first, you'd want to figure out, <clears throat> you'd want to sit down and create like a food log. A lot of people don't want to do this. I personally used to resist doing it myself because it's like, this thing is restrictive. I don't want to have to record what I eat. <laughs> you can do that either with just pen and paper or just get an app. The apps are so easy to use now. You know, you can hit like a bar barcode option, the scan, it just populates the app or you can search in the app once to find whatever you're eating. You might need to get a food scale just to measure the things as well or just do an estimate. Because imagine you jump in a car and you're trying to drive from point A to point B. Your speedometer doesn't work. You have no gas gauge doesn't work. You have no GPS. You don't have a radar detector. <laughs> the odds of you getting from A to B is slim because you just don't know where you're going. And if you have no clue as to how much you're eating, then you can't course correct. You don't know if you're eating too much or too little. If the scale went down, what did you eat to make it go down? If it went up, what were you doing? You're just guessing. You're just, you know, making, just guessing, basically. And eventually that will just not work. So that'd be the first thing. You have to have an idea of how much food you're eating, like just the calories, the amount of calories. And calories do matter at the end of the day. <clears throat> and it is like a famous study. I think they call it the Twinkie Dad. There's like some professor where he was just eating essentially Twinkies or just that kind of food, but his caloric intake was so low, he lost a ton of weight. So I'm not telling people to go to and eat Twinkies. That's not healthy, obviously. But the point being, calories do matter, no matter what anybody wants to tell you. Uh, some people say, well, but I cut my calories and I didn't lose weight. Oh, well, did you really track it? Because the studies show when people just try to guesstimate that they, they tend to be pretty off, way off. So... They may think they were eating 1,500 or 2,000 calories, but they were eating 2,500 or 1,800 or whatever the case may be. So that'd be the first thing. The second thing is you'd have to start paying attention to how foods make you feel. So we have the calories on one hand, and then we have, let's call it the quality. And this is going to vary person to person. There's no one size fits all. It's one of the things you may find, let's say you have some kind of a skin reaction or you have headaches sometimes. If you start trying to pay attention to how you feel when you eat certain things or drink certain things, like for me, for example, California wine sometimes make my sinuses go crazy. Uh, I don't know why this is, but I've noticed this. I tend to try to get wines from Europe. <clears throat> I don't know what it is with the grapes, but I tend to have less issues with those. Um, I remember my brother, 
I got him to quit pizza for a while, for like a month or two. And then when he reintroduced it, he had this massive flare up on his scalp. So I figured out that, yeah, you know, his dermatitis, psoriasis stuff was something in that pizza was creating the problem for him. So he changed. So you kind of have to play around and experiment with it because it really is on a case-by-case basis. But on one hand, to keep it simple, in terms of losing weight, you have to have an idea of how many calories you're consuming. That's the first thing. Second thing would be, again, the quality. And with the calories, surprisingly, sometimes it could be that you're not consuming enough calories. Like this lady that I helped lose weight, she lost uh, about 60 pounds. I increased the amount of food she ate by 80%. Let me say that again. I increased, not decreased. I increased the amount of food she ate by 80% because she was eating like a thousand calories at a time. Yeah. So her body was essentially starving. She was working out, putting in, again, putting in that effort, not getting much results. And I remember when I told her, well, I'm going to increase your food. She was like, what? She was like, panicky. We can't do that. And I explained to her like what was happening. Her body's just trying to survive on, that's like what a child would consume a thousand calories in a day. And slowly but surely we increased the calories and the weight kept dropping. And then her appetite opened up because she was never hungry. I pointed out to her, this is not normal. You cannot be eating a thousand calories, working out several times a week and not be hungry, (laughs) right? No surprise there that something was off. So those are the two big things, keeping it simple. The total amount of calories you eat and then the quality of the foods you consume, the things you drink. Can The other thing, too, is anything that goes in your mouth. People tend to just think of things they eat. But if you add something to the food, like some kind of dressing or the things you're cooking with, it all counts. Once it goes in your mouth, it has to count. That makes me think that there might be a difference between something that's correlated and something that's causing the issue. Because you mentioned, you know, you're having to increase someone's calories for them to lose weight. That would go Mm -hmm. against almost everyone's logical way of thinking because, you know, yeah, survival mode is a real thing for those that aren't aware. And that, that could cause other issues down the line that will cause whether it's bloating whether it's other issues that could cause you to put weight on or at least the illusion of you know increasing size that that's difficult for some people to wrap their head around but then the diet alone the reduced calories might be causing something and then when you increase that the cause then goes away which allows them to do other things which might be I don't know, you increase the calories, they've got more energy, they work yep. out, that sort of thing. So you, you almost cause this cascade of, okay, they're healthier, they're feeling better because they're eating more, mm-hmm. they're eating better, then they start running or they start working out or they start doing other things that help keep the weight down while they're increasing their calories. So they just feel better. Yes. Talk a little bit about those kinds of things the cascades the the causation versus correlation because some people would have a hard time wrapping their head around that yeah it was a hard time for me to wrap my head around it the things that helped me that was the first time when i was losing i lost 65 pounds at the time i was the proverbial proverbial 98 pound weakling except unfortunately i was over 200 pounds (laughs) You know, I remember I go to, yeah, I was doing this triathlon program, working with this nutritionist and I was losing weight and occasionally I would go and lift weights. And to show you how weak I was, the barbell with no weight on it felt heavy. And the most I could put on it was like 10 pounds on each side, I like to say. I remember I would warm up with the barbell, then I put like five pounds and then 10 pounds. I can honestly, there was nobody in the gym. The only time I ever saw anybody lifting weights like that on the bench press was like this really skinny guy probably was like a very very skinny and short yes i was incredibly weak i went to the gym and i felt even weaker than usual so at the time i was getting this i started getting this bod pod test to measure the body fat it was at some uh, hospital and it was like 20 25 and i did it one month did it again and i noticed although the weight had gone down my fat had gone my muscle mass had gone down and i started thinking you know I'm wondering if I'm just not eating enough food. I started doing some research and I was listening to this podcast at the time. And they used to say, eat to be the thinner person you want to, because it's counterintuitive. You get put on weight because you ate too much. However, if you eat too little, your metabolism can slow down. 
right? Because you mentioned it, the survival. Your body's trying to survive. Muscle is a luxury. Your body will shed muscle if necessary, right? It will cannibalize muscle if necessary to survive. You don't give your body enough food, you know, it will just start to cannibalize itself, right? The metabolism will slow down. So when I did my resting metabolic rate test, so for those of you out there, basically, it's a way to accurately calculate how many calories your body burns just at rest if you're to lay in bed all day. It was like a thousand calories, a little over that, which is terrible. For a grown adult male to be burning a thousand calories a day, that is terrible. Later on, it had gotten up to, like say, 1800 or something after I lost a bunch of weight, but still wasn't optimal, I would say. Actually, didn't even get that high. I think it was like 1600 or something. Uh, but that was what was happening then. Fast forward many or several years later, I get fat again. I knew to go do that test. So I did it. And no surprise, it said like 1100, which was terrible. Today, it's 2000 calories. What that means is if I sit on my butt all day and literally did not move or just lay in bed, I would burn 2000 calories. Now, this gives me a lot of leeway in terms of the amount of food I can eat. So I eat like roughly 2,800 calories a day, 3,000 calories a day. And I, my weight stays between like 185 to 190, just fluctuates. So when you yo-yo dieting over the years, trying to lose weight, you lose some, you regain, blah, 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 blah. This stresses out your body. So over time, you can find, and you see this with the biggest loser. If you Google it, there are re, there's some research that's been done on this where when they track these people over time, they found that their resting metabolic rate had significantly decreased, which is problematic, right? It's kind of like, say you lose 20 pounds and 15 of it was fat. When you regain the 20 pounds, it's 100% fat. And this is one of the ways you get fatter over time. It's like a vicious cycle. You lose some weight, you regain it, and you're damaging your metabolism each time you do this yo-yo dieting, which I had done. And I knew about this. So when I did that, and it's exactly what you said, as you get more food, it's almost like the rich getting richer, right? You have more food, your body's like, oh, things are going well. We can now build some muscle. We can burn some fat. We'll shed some fat. We'll start to turn on the lights in the factory again, start cranking things up, you know, turn up the furnace because we're getting our raw materials that we need to function, essentially. When you're not getting those things, your body's just trying to survive. They're in crisis mode. Like your body doesn't know the difference between you sitting at home purposely not eating and you in a jungle somewhere not eating because your tribe got wiped out and you're alone and you can't find any food. All your body knows is that it is very stressed out and it's going to try to survive, right? Uh, if somebody's stuck on a desert island, they're not going to be with a ton of muscle. Their body's just going to try to survive. You see it in extreme examples. Uh, if you go and look online, people in bad situations, let's say, in like some terrible prison situations where they'll be emaciated or in famines, if you're not feeding your body, that's what your body's going to do to survive. That's what it's going to eventually be like, in a sense. That makes me wonder, actually, if there's... Because you can eat more calories, but not necessarily change that situation there where you feel better you feel happier you feel like you can do more be more achieve more and then that causes the the cycle to be in your favor as you said but then if you're not eating the right foods you'll always sort of just maintain that cycle while eating more which is probably a recipe for disaster what yes. things can we eat then like what what are the options what are the the foods that will help us do this because you can feel fantastic and eat not mm -hmm. as much or you can feel terrible and eating more i'm thinking you know right <laughs> things that maybe don't have a lot of nutrients in them are things that are a little bit weak in terms of what's actually in the foods so right. what what are our options that's a great question and it can be very complicated for people one of the ways to keep it simple is comes back to the tracking. So if you're looking at the macronutrients, you have three. You got protein, carbs, and fats. You need fat. There's, there's some things called essential fats. You, you have to have them in your body. You have essential amino acids, which come into protein. You need to have them. That's why they're essential to survival. And your carbs, you don't exactly need them, but they're great for energy. It's a preferred uh, energy source, whether it's for your brain or for your body. Uh, you see this with athletes. 
And if you track your protein, your carbs, and your fats, that can help to guide you. So for example, let's say you like some a particular thing that comes in a box that tastes fantastic because food companies, some ultra-processed food, they've spent billions of dollars and over decades to research these things. So it's not an accident that it looks appealing, it smells, it feels, and like they, they always say, you can't just have one, <laughs> you know, you eat one of these things, whatever it may be, you just want to devour more. Now, if you look on the box and you calculate, yeah, hey, I'm getting X amount of protein, X amount of fat, of carbs, and you're tracking these things, now it will eventually force you, you touched on this earlier to make it easier, it will force you to eat better, for lack of a better word. Because if it doesn't have much nutrients in there, you will, at the end of the day, you'll realize, man, damn, I hardly got any protein. For the whole day, I got 30 grams of protein and I weighed 200 pounds. That wasn't good. The coach told me I needed to get way more protein than this. So I'm going to have to eat less things out of that box. I'm going to have to eat more chicken, maybe more salmon, you know, what have you from vegan, something else, get vegan protein shake, etc. Uh the carb numbers were through the roof. This thing in the box, you know, it was giving me, I don't know, 50 grams per serving. Oh, my carb number at the end of the day was way too far high. And this other thing I was eating, man, the fat content is incredibly high. So my fat is way too high. So perhaps I'm going to have to find some leaner pieces of protein, for example, or cut back on fat in other ways. But what it will do is it comes back to when we were talking about earlier, you made this good point where you can't lie to yourself anymore. It removes the illusion because you're forced to write things out. When you have this data in front of you, you can't pretend it isn't there. At the end of the day, you put it in, you're like, wow, my fat was through the roof. And then you look, it's like, oh, yeah, it was those crackers or, oh, yeah, that ice cream cake sandwiches. I use ice cream cake sandwiches because that's one of my cheat meals. You know, you're like, yeah, maybe I can't have too many of those. And it forces you. What it does is it makes you prioritize what you really, really want. So coffee is a good example for, for a lot of people. I drink my coffee black now. Why? Because I'd rather put my sugar into something else that tastes great. Sugar in coffee makes the coffee taste pretty good or good, but not great. I'd rather get that sugar in my grapes or an ice cream cake sandwich, etc. So you can play with the numbers is what I'm trying to say. So the things you really, really want. So for example, if you really, really want your sugar in your coffee and to add the creamer and you want to allocate your carbs there, then fine. Then later on in the day, you can't go and eat this other carb thing because now your numbers will be too high. So the good news is it does give you freedom to play with the numbers. The downside is a lot of people are going to could go haywire this because they don't know what they're doing, which comes back again to hiring somebody who knows what they're doing. You know, what I find, that's called the opportunity cost. The amount of time it would take you to figure it out on your own, it's really not worth it. If you sat down and just calculated well, it'd probably be difficult, but if you if you think of all the time you've spent in the past failing and you're to guesstimate how many dozens, hundreds of hours you spent, and you said to yourself, you know what, if I just hired somebody to do all this for me, that would have been far better. I would look the way I want to look. I would feel the way I want to feel now instead of still feeling bad right now. You know, uh, this client, they're always having headaches, he was stressed out, uh, sleeping. He sent me this great text message, like, on a Christmas. He sent a text saying, hey, Merry Christmas. And he sent this long text back saying, thank you so much. This I gave the best Christmas gifts I could have ever given him is what I gave him because his life with his wife and his kids is just so much dramatically better. You know, like, I remember one of the things when he sent me one time on a checkup, he's like, he just realized he hasn't had a headache in two months. And it was just mind-boggling to him because he'd been just living like that for years. Like getting headaches was just a normal way of living to him. Like the sun coming up in the morning, which sounds, again, crazy, right? But by putting him on a plan where we're tracking these things, because, again, it's very difficult to get away. I mean, people say, oh, you can do intuitive eating. You don't have to track anything. Just eat in moderation. That can work. But the reality is the best way to do it is really to track resisted this for a long time and because I used to feel like oh this restricts me you know I want to be independent I want to eat what I want to eat and it I always remember this it was one night I was going to go to the comedy club and they have this two drink minimum and it dawned on me standing there in the kitchen I think I was going to prepare dinner I was like you know if I just ate less rice I could try to 
you know, try to swap out the rice for the for the wine, let's say, or whatever I was going to drink. Granted, that's not exactly one-to-one. Because there's ways for you to artificially convert alcohol to, say, carbs. But essentially, that's what I did. And it, it, that's when it dawned on me, the power of tracking. I was like, man, I feel like I'm, I'm having my cake and eat it too. Because if I want to drink, I'll just eat less rice. Or if I don't want to drink, I'll just eat more rice. And my two-drink minimum, I'll get two bottles of water. And that's when I had that eureka moment. You know, because I remember the lady at the DEXA scan place kept telling me, he's like, you need to track, you need to track. You, it will be so much easier if you just track your food. And I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. So tracking, knowledge is power. Knowledge is power. And you don't know what you don't know. You don't want to be flying blind. So if you just sit there, it, I've never had somebody track that didn't have this like eureka moment. I open there like, wow, this thing is so much better than I thought. And it can be difficult at first. Don't get me wrong. Some people can like, ah, oh, this is so difficult. I got to be tracking everything. You know, they may feel like they're a child or something. But if you do it for a little bit, again, taking baby steps, maybe just track your breakfast or maybe just track your dinner. Just so you don't go gung-ho all of a sudden. You will more than likely have this eureka moment. And then you're like, wow, this is actually very liberating. So if I want to go, like real life example, I can order two orders of baby back ribs from Applebee's, right? Just because I eaten less food than usual during the day and i'll still end up around the similar numbers for the day and it's very liberating you know so you can go out and have fun and you don't beat yourself up the next morning going man i shouldn't eaten so much but no i can just look in my app and go yeah i was good i was still either within my numbers or slightly over and slightly over for one day is not going to kill me right Awareness is definitely a powerful thing, isn't it, Craig? The idea of tracking, just being aware of what you're doing, how you're feeling. Would you say that that enough is alone to change? Like just being aware of what you're doing and how it's affecting you, that can be enough, enough for you to make those course corrections? I think so, because what what the studies will show, the research shows, is that until you really believe it, like deeply and internally, you really feel it, it's not going to happen. I just think of all the times the doctors would tell me. So just to give you, I mean, when I went to see the doctor that the second time when I was with I remember he put his two fingers really together. He showed me on this chart for pre-diabetic. He's like, you're this close to diabetic. You're at the end of the pre-diabetic scale. <laughs> you know, you're, you're this close. You're almost, you're practically there, he said. And he's like, you don't want to go there. And that scared the heck out of me, right? Um, but, you know, until people believe it, like they really internalize it, as you're putting it, so you put it so correctly, until they see this transparency and it's just staring them in the face and they're like, okay, yep, this thing is not lying. You know, this is this is what it is. Until, yeah, it's hard to change. But when they do that, then yes, it does make things significantly easier. It's a change in mindset now. It's a change in mindset, right? And then you add the little, you give the little tools to help them along to make things easier to do that you want to do and make things that you don't want to do more difficult to do. And you give, you get that knowledge, right? Because you can try all you want, but if you don't know what you're doing, you're just not going to get anywhere, right? Unfortunately, effort is not enough, so, so to speak. But you make a great point there. It makes me, I guess, happy that there are people like yourself that are promoting this because I think trying to be healthy, trying to live a balanced lifestyle, it's not necessarily complicated, but it doesn't make it easy, does it? Like I think if, if this conversation is taught us anything, it's that it can be simple, it can be straightforward. But mm-hmm. it's almost like every step is going to take time. Every step is going to take you to question yourself, question your motives, question your mm-hmm. mindset, question what you're thinking, question how you're feeling. And some people just struggle with that. They just struggle with the questioning, with the the idea of being wrong in a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's a great point. That's a great point. And time is a big thing <clears throat> in two ways. People want to transform overnight. And I'll tell people, <clears throat> you know, you didn't put on all this weight in a year. It probably took you five, seven, ten years. The good news is it won't take you five, seven, ten years to, to remove it. But it's not happening in 30 days or three months. And unfortunately, there's a lot of stuff out there being sold, promoted that 
point to this stuff. And it's clickbait and it's very popular because they they these people know what people want. If I can say, hey, you can lose 30 pounds in 30 days, yeah, I can put in some starvation diet and you lose 30 pounds in 30 days, but you will regain it six months later. I remember I had a client, he'd done something like that. Like he dropped like 60 pounds in three months or some craziness like that. And then he told me, yeah, he had gained it all back and he had gained 80 pounds. No surprise there. But unfortunately, these things are so popular. They sell very readily. And they know people don't know because these people put up some picture of somebody losing. And they're like, man, if he did it or she did, I can do it too. And they start from the program. The scale is dropping. They feel happy. But most of the time, it doesn't really work. And the few times it does, again, they'll regain all that weight. On the other hand, the other side of the time equation, people can get in this rut where they're like, man, it will take me forever to transform. I'm, I'm in a bad shape. And this depresses them. And they're like, they just don't start. Because they're like, yeah, I could start working out. But yeah, you know, I'll change a little, but I'll still feel unhappy with the way I look in the mirror, how I feel. So they either never start or they start with this defeatist attitude anyway. It's almost like become, it becomes a self-fulfilling pro prophecy that they will fail, basically. And I try to point out to them that, you know, if you lose, if you lost a pound a week, that's 52 pounds in a year. You'll be unrecognizable to most people. If you think about it that way, if you lost just half a pound a week, right? Which is again, pretty realistic. Again, you will look dramatically different to most people, regardless of your weight, most, most people. You look no so different. You do that for two years, you will be super duper happy when you look in the mirror. Uh, but you got to take the baby steps. But I try to frame things that way because otherwise it can be just so daunting and overwhelming. It's like that old saying, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? But people look at the elephant and they go, Man, and I've been there. I've been there. I get you get frustrated and you just quit. And it's almost like a silent quitting. <laughs> you know, I would just stop. Or because gyms work financially because most of the members aren't that are paying aren't really going. <laughs> I was one of them, you know. It just you just get automatically charged and you you don't actually go to the gym. Uh so you can get in that rut mentally, which again is where, you know. Uh, a coach can help you there as well with the mental aspect because it's you said it well it's simple yet not simple <laughs> it's, it's both simple and complicated at the same time right yeah, yeah it is i mean I'm, I'm glad that we had this this conversation kirk i think we've helped quite a lot of people at least kickstart their their health journey so for those that want to get more involved with yourself we want to connect with you where can they go how can they do that well, they can go to my website at Kirk D A Anderson. That's D gives me my middle initials, actually. D as in David, A as in Anthony, Anderson.com. You can also find me on Instagram and on YouTube as well. But yeah, check out my website, Kirk D A Anderson.com. Thanks so much for being a guest on the show. Those that are listening, feel free to subscribe, share the show, tell others, and also leave a review wherever you are listening in to your podcasts. Kirk, it's been great. I've enjoyed it and I look forward to keeping in touch. Thanks very much. No, thanks a lot. Thanks.